time for our second hour roundtable on America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. More talking truth about America. And welcome back. This is Debbie Georgiatis. Thanks so much for tuning in. You know, uh, Kelly Kohlberg was on with us the last half an hour, and I talked to her in the break just for a minute. One thing we didn't get to, and I want to mention to you, actually, let me back up and say one other thing. I remember years ago hearing Rush Limbaugh say, excuse me, hearing Rush Limbaugh say that the reason the Democrat Party was funding such an expansion of the welfare state from the founding of the Great Society through today, that their main, you know, um, goal of just endlessly increasing um, social spending and government assistance programs Limbaugh was saying for the exact purpose to create dependency and therefore to create a reliable voting base that would never, ever think of voting for anyone who wasn't a Democrat, that would always support the Democrat Party because that base of people would be so reliant on the federal government. And I thought at the time that is so cynical. I remember thinking, you know, this is years ago that, you know, 20 years ago or something, of thinking that, you know, that just is so cynical. They just happen to have a different preference for their policies. You know, they like social spending and, the, and conservatives like national defense spending and, and we like free markets and they like a little less free markets. But accepting that there could be such a sinister motive behind the Democrats' you know, uh, predilection to endlessly increase government spending to create dependency to solidify their power is like knowing two plus two is four. I mean, there's almost no one who does not acknowledge that this day, these days. I mean, the Democrats don't say it in speeches, but everybody knows it. That's what the the Democrat Party creates its power by creating dependency in the government, creating massive groups of victim classes in this country. That is the way they have power. So that journey I could make getting past my uh, thought that was too cynical is the same journey I have made in this issue that we're talking with Kelly Kohlberg about. You can think in America that you're that you're just sitting back and watching. Well, you know, Ferguson, there was, a, you know, that at, at the time, an alleged questionable police shooting, as we talked about many times on the show. Once you know the facts, it wasn't questionable. But there are you know, instant after instant after incident and riots and protests and Black Lives Matter and Occupy Wall Street and and just endless agitation. And you think if you're not paying attention, you think all those people are so agitated, they must be right. I must be ignorant to not be upset. And what Kelly Kohlberg and literally thousands and thousands of other serious conservatives have finally put together is that this is not organic, natural uprising. This is, in fact, a well-funded effort, a well-funded effort by George Soros in large part and many other wealthy billionaires to undermine the culture, the identity, the fabric of American society. That's what we are seeing. We are seeing the undermining of everything good about America, the Judeo-Christian roots of this country being mocked and maligned, the notion of the idea of the, a strong national defense and secure borders mocked and maligned, unnecessary. This is all coming from people who actually think that they have a better idea, and George Soros happily acknowledges it. What he wants is a one-world government. He, want, he does not like the patriotism and love of America inherent in the conservative mindset in this country. 
So George Soros and his other radical lefties had a big meeting in California last week, and I printed out the lengthy agenda, and it was, I mean, truly, it was top secret. You were never supposed to tell you were going to go. You weren't supposed to give out the agenda. Somebody obviously did. But one thing that came out of it that I just really, really wanted to share with you, among many things, I mean, they are happily, happily embracing, and Nancy Pelosi spoke at it, George Soros spoke at it, um, but they are just working toward the, they say progressive, because that word makes uh ignorant people happy, it sounds like you're standing for progress. Well, when you are standing for the left-wing viewpoint, that ain't progress, folks. It is not progress to push the left-wing view of big government control, uh, increasing weakness and dependency of the people, destruction of the culture of America. That is not progress, but that's what the left, that's where the left lives. And going back to the first hour of our show tonight, um, first segment of the show, talking about the fabulous economic news coming out of the uh, this first Black Friday under President Trump and watching the destruction of the uh, free market ideas that were flying along well in England because we did not, we the conservatives do not market well the idea that economic growth is about freedom and human dignity and human comfort. I want to share one thing about the Soros conference um, and then we'll talk about probably more after the break too, but At the Soros conference, there was a panel that was on how to tell the narrative, the left-wing narrative on economic ideas. How do you sell left-wing ideas uh, about the economy? Because what they're really selling is socialism. and, And so far in America, except for Bernie Sanders and the extreme left, they don't really want to admit that. But one person on the panel was a Washington Post reporter named Janelle Ross, who sat on a panel helping the conservatives, I mean, helping the liberals, the radical left Soros people, figure out how to message progressive economic policy, which basically means how to message socialism so you won't realize what they're doing to you. That And she did that, and that's a Washington Post reporter. We come back. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that. And then we're going to turn. I do have a cruise through the news. Can't wait to talk with you. Don't go away. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. 
You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Attention Ronald Reagan fans, what is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back. I'm so glad you've tuned in. So tonight we had a great conversation with Kelly Kohlberg, and she's just on this mission of having, of encouraging people of all backgrounds, but especially the Christian Church in America, to recognize when you look around and see society decaying, see problems, education has gone off the rails. You have kids taught, you know, the opposite of what American goodness is. You have just just challenges every place to recognize that you have to look, follow the money, understand how much of what you see in America is actually funded by people who have the mission of destroying the culture and fabric of America. It does not mean they want to, and I know that this, what we're talking about tonight can sound conspiracy theorists. People go, oh my gosh, you're really into that stuff. It's not that they want to like kill all Americans. It's not that kind of conspiracy. It's a conspiracy or it's a, it's a movement and an absolutely intentional plan to change America in, in, in a fundamentally transformed, to use President Obama's words, away from the goodness and greatness and uniqueness of, of its strength 
and, and its, its unique strength in the world um, into a, a, a different animal, a different thing, a weakened nation where people are more willing to subject themselves to a broader notion of, you know, uh, global government and, and conceding America's interests should take second place to the world interests, to the, to the U.N., all sorts of stuff like that. But one thing I want to mention to you that's, that's amazing, she has uncovered, Kelly Kohlberg has, you know, she uses the expression um, about um, rent and evangelical. <laughs> and I'm, this is not a facetious thing. When you are George Soros and you, and he does, you need to read his websites, his writings, his, what he says in his speeches, he does, he not, not only just doesn't love, he deplores the idea of a strong America based on Judeo-Christian values, founded in liberty, committed to liberty, committed to sovereignty. This drives him crazy, committed to American sovereignty. He wants to destroy that. So one way to do that is to get at the churches, to undermine the, the views of the churches about their place in society and, and ultimately about the idea of what truth is. And so if you follow George Soros' money, you'll see he actually they use the term rent and evangelical. His socialist America-hating money is paying not just individual evangelical speakers, but organizations that you think, you hear their names, you think, gee, this is really nice. This is someone wanting to help people. That's not what it is. When he is funding it, it is always and only for his purpose of the destruction of the unique strength and character of America. And the fact that Nancy Pelosi would show up and speak at that conference is a, should be, if you need it still, a huge hint or a reveal of the fact that this is where the Democrat Party of today lives. They are not just mildly, slightly more left-wing than the Republicans. They are off in the absolute anti-American, you know, wilderness and they're right with Soros. In fact, the reason I, I mentioned Washington Post reporter, of course, she has the right to go to any conference she wants to go to. And I don't know what her contract is with Washington Post. She may even have the right to speak at conferences without asking them. I do not know. But I do want you to think about this is a woman. Her name, again, is Janelle Ross. Very pretty black woman. Very pretty on this panel at the um, conference in California last week at Carlsbad on the panel in helping to teach other radical left-wingers how to message so that their socialist ideas sound normal, sound palatable, sound acceptable. So you know she can do that. Take that into account when you read anything she writes, and frankly, anything the Washington Post writes. This is a radical left worldview that she's obviously happily joining in on, and I think her columns and her everything she writes should be highly suspect to uh, an, any America-loving person. Okay, I want to turn, since we're talking about loving America, we went back also to the idea of trying to... Um, trying to recognize how important this place is that we are in this country. We have Donald Trump, you know, coming up and ending his first year in the presidency. And he has, through this strength of his will and his executive orders, and frankly, just a lot of his, um, you know, his way he speaks about America, 
He has instilled a confidence, a return of of just just energy and, and proud patriotism in this country. But he is not a ha- he's had almost no legislative victories. And so Jim Jordan, who is the founder of the Freedom Caucus, he's a congressman in Washington from Ohio, and he's fabulous. He sat down with Ginny Thomas, who writes for the Daily Caller. She's great. Ginny Thomas interviewed him. And I think Greg has ready to play a little segment, two little segments of this long interview Jenny Thomas did with Jim Jordan, Freedom Caucus founder. Take it away. Think about what's happened in the last few years. Dave Bradbury's Eric Cantor, the, you know, the, the majority leader. There's this group that gets formed on Capitol Hill uh, called the House Freedom Caucus. Um, a sitting speaker steps down midterm. Um, and, and then the American people say, we're going to make Donald Trump president of the United States. If that's not sending a message to the establishment in this town, I don't know what will. So, again, maybe we better think about what the American people are saying via the electoral process and do what they sent us here to do. What needs to happen up here in the Congress to show that voting has consequences, that the issues that people campaigned on are being actually acted on by the Republican Congress and sent to a Republican president? Well, you know, Great question. I think there are two sides to it. One is, from our side, our, our, our job is pretty simple. I always say this. We make this job way too complicated. It's pretty basic. Do what you said you would do. Do what you ran on. Do what they elected you to do. Do what they sent you here to do. You form as, when, you, when you run for office, you say for certain things that you think are going to help the folks you get the privilege of serving. Um, and they say, okay, we like that. And they, they elect you. Then you got a contract form. Go do what you said. So that's the job of those of us in elective office. You know, that's Jim Jordan, who, again, and you talk about the handful of leaders you can think of in the United States Congress who actually are trying to do what Jim Jordan is describing, which is to do what you ran on. It's, you could name them on one hand. I mean, literally, you have a Congress with a Republican majority in the House, the Senate, and you have the Republican White House. We couldn't get the socialist Obamacare bill repealed. I know people keep saying, well, we're going to get to it. We're working on it. Maybe we'll throw something in. We don't have the will on the conservative side to stand up for what, not just what the Republicans say they stand for, but what free market economics stands for and what those Republicans in Washington said when they ran. I had a local congressman here in Texas, a lengthy conversation with him, who said basically that the insurance companies don't want Obamacare repealed because they like it. They're comfortable now. In fact, I was being told, I was being naive or ignorant to think that if we freed the insurance companies from Obamacare, that they would indeed again come up with policies, come up with policies that people would want. You would have a, you know, a, a buffet uh, table full of different kind of policies and you could shop around. He's saying that won't happen because the insurance companies don't want that anymore. What he's saying is they're happy with crony capitalism. And if they're happy and they're donating money to people in Congress, why would anyone expect the Congress to repeal Obamacare? And it's an outrage. This is what the voters, the conservative voters, who put that Republican majority in there in Congress, they did it in 2010, they did it in 2014, they gave the whole, you know, the whole enchilada in 2016, the whole government, and you cannot get these GOP leaders to move off the dime. You cannot get them to do what they promised they would do over and over and over, which leads me to the 2018 midterms. 
I was reading about uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, the Senate Majority Leader, and um, what's happening to him in this amazing season of, you know, we're coming up, it's starting the new year, we're going to have, you know, people running in primaries, and, and we're going to have elections in November 2018. The entire U.S. House is up for re-election, and one-third, essentially, of the Senate, many more Democrats than Republicans. So, you have the Republicans so frozen in either disdain for Trump— institutional comfort sitting in Washington and realizing that if you're an incumbent, you're almost guaranteed re-election. So why should you listen to the voters? You know they'll vote for you anyway. You can barely primary any Republican out of office. And they sit there thinking, I've got my donors, I got my insurance lobby money in, I got um, other lobbyists. I'm not listening to the people. I'm sitting fat and happy here in Washington. So what's happening to Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader in the Senate, is that the people running for re-election in the Senate, the Republicans, are running from him, from Mitch McConnell, who should be the leader of the party, who is the you know holder of millions of dollars of possible campaign money. And Republicans are so afraid of identifying as candidates, of, of identifying themselves with Mitch McConnell, because they know the voters can see Mitch McConnell is problem number one, ignoring what Trump ran on, ignoring what he ran on, ignoring the Republican platform, and just sitting still doing nothing. And at least the voters, these candidates are saying, uh, I don't don't put me with McConnell. You know, he's kind of got to go. Folks, if McConnell doesn't go, we're toast on this GOP agenda. OK, right back after the break. Don't go away. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony list, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. 
If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million Heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties. And in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Okay, welcome back to America Can We Talk. So I got I got a text on the break saying, "Wow, you're fiery tonight." You know, I always preparing for the show. I have about 25 topics, and I used to really be regimented about you know dividing them into every segment. But now I just kind of I want to roll. You know, the entire reason I do this show, America Can We Talk. I started doing it as Ladies Can We Talk, and I was talking more to women voters. Because I'd read a lot about women, how women vote, the data is, are extensive, and you can read about the women's vote, and I was trying to impact that, and then I turned to calling America Can We Talk, because really the entire purpose of the show is to encourage and embrace more the notion that all, encourage all of us to embrace the idea that America is unique and exceptional, and it's the job of every generation of Americans to hold on to this country to protect it from all enemies, foreign, domestic, including the kind of enemies Kelly Kolberg was talking about. Well, I want to change uh, gears, though, except one last thing to say about where we stand. We have a tax bill in the Senate, one in the House. I'm not going to belabor the differences again this week, but I will say that they have a lot to hammer out. I got some emails after last week's show with our interview with Steve Moore. I guess it was two weeks ago or one week ago. Anyway, interviews afterwards saying, you know, Steve Moore is wrong. It's not a great bill. You know, they should do this and that. And I agree it's not perfect. The biggest problem with the tax bill is that it assumes we cannot figure any way to cut spending. So all we're doing is changing around where we get the tax money from. And really, conservative leadership requires taking, you know, going after the hard issues, 
talking about how we are living in an unsustained, we have an unsustainable economy. We cannot sustain this level of debt. We just keep growing, growing our debt. We do nothing to fix it. We have ridiculous numbers of people simply living in total reliance on the government. I should be very clear. Our our society as a Christian, a Judeo-Christian culture, we will always take care of those truly mentally or physically unable to work we and the elderly and but we will not we should not have the notion that the purpose of government is to feed clothe house educate the people that's what communist governments do free societies like america the notion is of self-reliance for most people unless you have some special need and even those who have a temporary need for government assistance our programs are designed and should be designed to inspire people to work toward the freedom and the joy and the self-satisfaction a sense of self-worth that comes from being self-reliant and we've and that is that that entire message is is a loving message loving message toward every american but on the american left it is characterized as oh you're just mean and all you rich people don't want to help poor people which is just i mean the american people should be sick of that messaging by now that's all the left has has done really on many issues for years is uh just characterize everyone who won't agree with them as mean selfish hater and some other one that um you know names they throw at people it's time it's time for conservatives to stand up follow trump's leadership and in the house and the senate get a really good tax bill done cutting taxes and then even after that tackle spending agree we're going to call back and cut back our spending okay enough on that except to point out okay, one more thing did you i want to remind everybody that back in um july of 1981 ronald reagan got a three-year, 25% cut tax rate bill through the House and Senate at the time that the Democrats had the majority in the House. Remember that. What, Trump, what you know, Reagan was able to do, he just had the leadership qualities to be able to express economic growth as a moral thing as a as a notion of prosperity and abundance rising for everyone and his tax cuts brought in a booming economy and everyone who's honest knows that and so part of the problem since that time say that was 1981 here in 2017 we have a far more radically left democrat party in this country far more radically left, overtly radically left, and strident, will not cooperate in any degree on any issue ever. On any issue ever is the Democrat approach. They, they'll go to the microphones and say, we're here, we're ready to work, we want to, the Republicans, so we want to help with them, we want to work. They don't. Their attitude, as you saw as when they passed Obamacare, if they have power, they march down their path towards socialism with no second thought and no consideration for what any Republican thinks on anything. So what we need on our side, we need a Reagan-type uh, coming together of the you know, the wings of the Republican Party. We need the, you know, the establishment and the more serious conservatives and the Freedom Caucus. 
We need them coming together and realizing this is our chance. And if we don't get some serious things done on Trump's agenda, we're going to lose the majority and be back to fighting the Democrats. Okay, I want to change the subject entirely, finally, on this show tonight. I did want to talk about this raft of um, ongoing accusations and stories coming out about sex harassment. And now we have uh, John Conyers, the longest serving congressman in the, in the House, um, under serious uh, you know, facing very serious allegations, multiple allegations of sex harassment by many people who worked for him. I mean, these are and these are stretching decades and continuing until recently. You know, very crass behavior in his part, just you know, completely disgusting. Um, if it's true, and we also have. Um, a uh, Texas congressman, Joe Barton, who was caught uh, in a, or had a private text message, which he sent to a woman. He, as he says, he was separated from his second wife. This was a, uh, you know, a mature adult consensual relationship. But he sent a very, very crass um, photo of himself um, with a even more crass message. And so he's he's facing the heat and um, from. I don't even know if there's going to be a Republican to challenge him in a primary. I know he said he will not step down. He said, he said, hey, sorry about that. It was consensual. And he, he's trying to just move on. I don't know if there's a Republican going to challenge him. But um, we have all these cases. Uh, and, you know, we have, of course, we've talked about in the show Harvey Weinstein. And we have the, um, you know, the John Conyers problem. And then Roy Moore in Alabama. And I, I think there are a couple things I want to say about those to separate them out. And then just really get down to talking about what the real issue is. But to separate them out, to sexually harass a minor, engage in any sexual activity or innuendo toward a minor is itself not only criminal but completely disgusting. But in that, in all these cases we're currently discussing, you know, no one's mentioning Bill Clinton having Bill Clinton, former president, wife thought she was going to get to be president, who rode on Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express, whatever it is now, 17 times, 26 times, I mean, has been on the jet that this pervert Jeffrey Epstein has to fly people down to some island where they have, you know, just uh, intimate relations with um, all sorts of girls reputedly and reportedly from many reliable sources, underage girls. So Bill Clinton engaged in all that, but that doesn't count because he's a Democrat. Now, Roy Moore... And this is not, you know, this is not speculation on the part of Bill Clinton, of Bill Clinton's activity. This is just known and kind of, yeah, but he's Bill, he's, he's our pervert, so we don't care about it. That's kind of the media attitude. He may be a pervert, but he's our pervert. On Roy Moore, on the other hand, you're talking about 40 years ago and allegations that are unproven in any degree. And somehow Hillary is qualified to call on Roy Moore to step down, but there's nothing wrong with her husband. Okay, I'll get off on that. But that's one issue. On the Joe Barton thing, it's really not, it doesn't involve a minor and does not apparently involve unwanted advances, at least what we're aware of. But what really gets down to it, I want to, you know, as it, on the show, because I don't want to, I never want to dwell on people's personal foibles and failings or, or anything prurient. But I do want to say that as a lover of this country, a lover of America and the culture of America, there, there are just two great articles, and they're, again, on our website, americacanwetalk.org, and there are things to remember, ways, more positive ways to talk about these things, which is what we need in this country. 
we've had this just you know idiotic thing coming out of the left toxic masculinity and how somehow all this harassment stuff wouldn't happen if there weren't toxic masculinity a great piece by matt walsh um and i'm sorry i forget where it is posted but it's on our website i don't know where he wrote but our website org. he talked about what we need is actually more masculinity but real masculinity because real masculinity is not it, it was just it's exactly the opposite of real masculinity to engage in this uh, aggressive, harassing, unwelcome advances, pressure, all the junk that we're hearing out of Weinstein and Clinton and, and Conyers and all that. Real masculinity has a higher idea of who you are as a man, as a role model for your children, your sons. Uh, the people who see you, the real role of masculinity is to be a stronger man, includes wonderful qualities of strength and leadership and morality and goodness. And the same thing is true of femininity. But, you know, the notion that what we really need is not more sex harassment training classes. Well, I guess, I mean, if you if you commit sex harassment because you didn't know what it was, I think you don't belong anywhere near Congress. But his point of the real healing of it is an improvement in our culture, return to respect for the for the right and high idea of a God-given masculinity and femininity, which would never indulge in this low-life behavior. Don't go away. On August 2nd, 2006, Debbie Lee was notified that her son, Mark Allen Lee, had been killed, becoming the first Navy SEAL to lose his life in Iraq. She had no choice about the news that was given to her, but she did have a choice how she responded. In response to her son's amazing last letter, she founded America's Mighty Warriors to honor the sacrifices of our troops, the fallen, and their families by providing programs that improve quality of life, resiliency, and recovery. Whether America's Mighty Warriors is hosting retreats for families of the fallen, helping heroes heal who are struggling with traumatic brain injury or post-traumatic stress disorder, providing relaxation at the Heroes Hope Home, stepping in when an injustice is committed, or doing random acts of kindness. As Mark mentioned in his letter, they know the price of freedom and who pays it. Our troops and families of the fallen need your support. Visit americasmightywarriors.org today to learn more. That's americasmightywarriors.org. There is a lot of talk today among media and academia in our culture about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. 
Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I cannot believe how fast these two hours, I say this so often, it's the fastest two hours of my week. I love coming and talking with you. I love talking about America. I do a lot of public speaking uh, to a variety of groups. If you're interested, you can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. Love speaking up about preserving the great, unique, precious idea that is America. And to finish that thought, uh, it was before the break, Matt Walsh is a columnist, and he has written two great pieces Relating to all these current scandals involving, you know, Congressman Barton and John Conyers and just just the whole slew of them. And I loved his point that the left tries to characterize this as toxic masculinity and that, you know, the the, pro, the solution is the sex harassment classes. And, and, and there's this whole idiotic theme of, you know, I know the answer. Teach your boys and young men, your children, not to rape as though that is an answer like these people who commit these these actions otherwise had never been told, like they just were uninformed that this was a problem and they wouldn't have done that. When really it is that what is needed is so much deeper and more profound and more beneficial, which is a return to the notion of personal responsibility, of a sense of morality and sexual ethics that does not is not premised on the Hollywood media, anything goes mentality, but is more is rooted back into ideas of respect for women Respect for yourself. On the subject of men, I, I want to pull up the points that this um, article, it's called, uh, We Need More Masculinity in Our Culture, Not Less. And he's making the point 
men, we want to replace all these, you know, desperate, self-debasing, effeminate men. All these men get off on this thing of, oh, yes, men are the worst thing ever. We're terrible. You know, I apologize for all men. No, the way these lowlifes are conducting themselves is not real manhood. It's not masculine. It is petulant, childish, adolescent, irresponsible, self-indulgent, and unmasculine. Real masculinity has ideas in his list of qualities, things like we need men in our society who are chivalrous, strong, respectable, productive, self-sacrificing, real men who protect, provide, do all the things that society has expected of men. We have to be expect more men to be real men. And instead of thinking that the problem is just they had didn't get adequately trained at home about the idea of whether or not rape was okay. So I just loved his thinking. Very And it's much deeper than that, but I don't want to spend any more time on that tonight. But I urge, I think all of us, you know, the, the notion of any sense of Christian morality is mocked by the left, you know, made fun of, and it's all outdated and old-fashioned and silly and stupid. But, you know, I don't think Joe Barton's thinking that right now. I think Joe Barton's thinking, what in the world was I thinking sending a text of myself in that situation? I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know him. I've met him, I guess, but I don't know him. And I don't mean in particular rub in his case, but just to say that there's really a, um, there's a great chance for people to rethink the notions of, of personal privacy, of personal intimacy, of loyalty, of, of sexual morality derived from, uh, you know, ideas of ourselves as, as created by God and subjected to moral codes that actually protect and bless us. These would be good things. These be good things. Okay, last thing. I do this cruise through the news. I usually, and I do this because I only have two hours a week to talk to you. I wish I had two hours a day. But on my two hours a week, I love to do the cruise. And I just want to hit a couple big stories um, in the little remaining time we have tonight. But they're all really, really important stories. I would spend more time on if I could. One is, and I, you know, again, I, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned to all of you, I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We, we were very blessed. We had our three kids home. It was wonderful. Our three adult kids, really fun. So, but on Thanksgiving day here in Texas, no matter where you are listening to this show online or wherever else here in Texas, we had a tragedy that I want to just briefly mention. A Texas state trooper was slain, was killed on Thanksgiving day. He was a, uh, his name is Damon Charles Allen, and he was killed on Thanksgiving. Um, He was the father of three. He, He married his high school sweetheart, he was a 15-year veteran of the um, uh, Texas Department of Public Safety and a 15-year veteran and father of three, and he was killed randomly by some guy. Um, he apparently what, had pulled him over, and um, I'm not sure, maybe I'm mixing stories up. Oh, no, yeah, he, he, he was pulled over, ended up anyway being shot by someone he was pursuing, and the, the person who killed him uh, was named... Debrett, D-A-B-R-E-T-T, Debrett Black, 32 years of age. And I raise this for a couple of reasons to say about this case. First is, you know, there have just been way, way too many killings, too much violence against police officers and others in this country who keep us safe. I mean, police officers being killed by civilians for no reason at all. And, um, this guy who who did it had been uh, indicted recently, <laughs> indicted by a grand jury last month for crashing his car into a police vehicle. He previously served jail time for assaulting a public servant. 
And I mean, these in these kind of cases, this I have to say, I will tie some of this. The uh, the killer in this case, the, the shooter, the killer was black and the police officer was white. And there has been so much conversation in this country about uh, police officers and condemning police officers and painting a completely factually provably false narrative that police officers engage in um you know just a rampant irresponsible um number of killings against black unarmed civilians this has been we've been through this in the show before i can put the research up again on our website but this is factually not true but all this irresponsible conversation agitating against police officers um it does impact people perhaps this young man who took this police officer's life. Um, And then, so that's just um, a very important story I wanted to mention. There's a, um, there was a, uh, an article, it's actually several years ago, that was, I I read again today in preparation for this show. It was by Thomas Sowell, who's a fabulous, uh, he's a PhD in economics. Uh, He is at the Hoover Institute at Stanford. I think he's still there brilliant he's black he's in his late 80s i think very senior guy just brilliant writer many many books and he wrote a book he wrote a column in national review a couple years ago called the race war no one can win and it really makes some points i make so often on this show you know you cannot have american unity you can't have a connection between people if we split off and identify ourselves by race and then are in a race war, which is part of what? Do I go back to George Soros and the agitation and destruction of American society? George Soros funds Black Lives Matter to create constant agitation in, in America. Constant, you know, floating of false narratives, floating of false ideas, um, just, in, just instilling suspicion and hatred toward police officers, which lead to and I don't know in this case what happened, but lead to things like this. Another police officer killed last week. Again, a black killer, white police officer. And you don't hear anyone, NFL, you know, protesters, anyone else claiming that was a problem. And, and so we just, you know, folks, we have to work better as a country together. We have to all agree that when questionable shootings occur, we, of course, investigate, which we already do, and we need, to, we need to stand up for people who love this country and be supportive of the police in this country. I mean, not that they're perfect, and when they're not perfect, then we look into it, and appropriate punishment is meted out if it is due. But we have to be more willing to say we have a good and noble country, and we're not going to just have this massive hatred against police officers spread by people like George Soros who hate this country. Okay told another story my cruise to the news this may be the last one i get to okay no two more one was okay so uh, maureen dowd who's a, a liberal new york times columnist you know she's pretty unbearable usually once a year she lets her brother um, named um, kevin her brother kevin dowd who's republican lets him write one column a year and so it makes her readers mad it's kind of funny but the one thing he had that that was so darn funny you know, he was uh, talking about how people complain about President Trump tweeting. And this year, he said he found a pithy way to summarize why President Trump's tweeting can be an effective defense. Trump, he writes, has 43.2 million Twitter followers. The New York Times has 3.1 million 
million subscribers. So 43 million people follow Trump on Twitter. Only 3 million can stand read the New York Times. Kind of funny point, but it does do the point well that, you know, Trump's, he's got a a way to get out there to go over New York Times, and he's going to use it. Um, So, and he actually, in his column too, he wrote, points out, the Republicans are going to have a problem very soon in the new year, and maybe even the end of this year, if they don't get on the stick and get some serious legislation through Congress, whatever vehicle needed, get the legislation done that is part of their promise, as Jim Jordan was saying in the clip we played, promise to the American people that you'll do the agenda you committed to do. You will do what you're committed to do. Okay, also want to hit the story in case you missed it, that a North Korean soldier actually escaped North Korea. You could watch it in live video. He drove his car way past the the North Korean side checkpoint. He went running across, uh, got shot by the North Korean um, officers pursuing him or military people pursuing him, but made it across, and he's had surgery to remove the bullets. He's very ill and weak, has a lot of medical problems. But the great thing was he made it out. And so this is, you know, again, for people who think socialism is a great thing, and just remind yourself, communism is just socialism with no way out. That's all communism is. It's socialism with no way out. Nobody tries to flee from South Korea and insist they get into North Korea. Nobody pursues socialism if they're given a choice. This needs to be, we need to be reminded that in America, freedom is what people actually want. Okay, we only have like, um, we don't have enough time left, but I want to just mention this one story, and I think I'll write a blog post about it tomorrow. Go to americacommittee.org, I'll write a blog post about this. But did you realize there was a conference outside of Washington, D.C., in this last week of Islamist extremists at a hotel in, uh, right outside of Washington, where the keynote speaker was a visiting imam from Pakistan. So all these American Muslims in attendance at a conference in which he was basically saying, reminding them that American Muslims have the duty to commit jihad, to insist Americans are either they're convert to Islam or are killed. So... This is this is a, the, a country where we've welcomed these people in, and this kind of conference is happening right outside of Washington D.C. last week. I'll write more about it. You should know about it. Okay, so we're out of time again. I want to urge you: email me at americacanwetalk.org. You can leave a studio line question two one four five five six five six five nine. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to America. Can we talk with Debbie Georgiatis? To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to americacanwetalk.org. America, can we talk? Truth about America. America.